were good, good yeah, conversations. Jalen Brown is a great like singer songwriter. She's been on VTM actually uh, with her band Evolution of the Groove. That sounds and good. Great name. That's a good name. Yeah, no, it's a good name. Um, and then Charles Owens has also been on VTM, but he's a super dope saxophone player, teacher, played up in New York and stuff. We did a thing down at um, In Your Ear of local Christmas folks, uh, like Christmas music with local folks. Yeah. God, it was great. Mm -hmm. That was so cool, man. It's, it's funny you bring that up because we also interviewed Reese Williams oh, yeah. from In Your Ear and Chakra yeah. Sessions Live. Yeah. yeah, Reese is good. She's a good girl. She's sharp. Super sharp. Yeah, Very yeah. passionate about like yeah, yeah. all things Richmond and music. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, I mean, well, let's, I mean, let's start there. Okay. The Breeze, the Breeze Christmas special. Mm. Like, I guess we should start with why you jumped in to create a radio station. Well, first of all, I didn't create it. My best friend who I met uh, when we were in ninth grade at Meadowbrook High School, uh, we met in band class. And we've been best friends ever since. That's what happens in band class. Uh, yeah. Lifelong yeah. friendship. Yeah. So um, he retired. Um, he had been living in Key Largo, Florida. Nice. In the Keys. And um, he came back to Richmond after one one too many hurricanes. <laughs> and uh, he's, he, he's a music guy. He, he's like off the scale music guy. Um, and so he wanted this something he always wanted to do. And I said, well, okay, I'll help you with it. So he did 90% of the work and I showed up. Put your name on it. Yeah. You're good to go. Yeah. That's classic. I yeah, like that. That's, that's the great. Bill Bevan style. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's my goal actually. Work less in less amount of time and get paid more for it. I like that. Yeah. And not get it done. How's it working uh, out so far? <laughs> I'm still at CBS six. Hey, nice. <laughs> so Yeah. Hi, I'm Bill Blevins. Oh, no, it's Bevins. There's no no L. Actually, I used to have an L in there, but the Blevins beat the L out of us. I'm Bill Blevins on Liner Notes. Keep watching. On this episode of Liner Notes, we're talking with radio and television personality, Bill Bevins. Bill has been a Richmond broadcast icon for over 50 years. Over that time, Bill has been a weatherman. He's hosted the Virginia Lottery, had a show on Light 98, and is currently on CBS 6's Virginia This Morning. And with his buddy Bud Myers, he created The Breeze, a digital online radio station. I feel weird introducing somebody that's introduced Ray Charles, but here we are. Ladies and gentlemen, Bill Bevins. Welcome to Liner Notes, where we let Richmond artists tell you about their music, their inspirations, and how they make the soundtrack to the city of Richmond, Virginia. So the breeze plays everything. Well, they what say I can ascertain. 50 years of soft rock. There's a lot of um, country in there, a lot of funk, a lot of local folks. About 30% local musicians. Nice. You And you have like dedicated blocks of time. I think like, uh, was yesterday the first day on Friday afternoons? That yeah, you had lunchtime like with the locals. Yeah. 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 That's pretty sick. So that's a solid hour of nothing but local musicians. And um, so, yeah, but I mean, they're sprinkled through every show. And, uh, you know, we that's kind of, it's kind of like what you do, you know? It's like we've been promoting local musicians all our lives. And now we have an actual vehicle where we can do it and do it right and do a lot of it. And there's so many great musicians that have always come through Richmond. Yeah. And still do. And 
you know, a lot of the folks we play are from my generation and I've known them all of my lives, but there's a lot of young folks too, like the people we met when we did the Christmas thing at In Your Ear, which was just blow you away good. Yeah, had you been to that studio before? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, about 40 years ago. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm assuming, like, did you do work at the studio or just you were invited because you're a cool dude? Um, neither. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I um I'd been to some recording sessions and done some stuff there. Uh, recorded, the lottery used to use them to do commercials, uh, to do the voiceover work. So I did that. I had worked with Carlos, who was the recording engineer, when Pat Benatar lived in Richmond, and made an album. And there was a group of like two hundred people that got to go to the recording session, and I was in that group. Wow. And so she she cut an album a live album with about 200 people and I was there for that and then right after that she took off and hit the big time dang yeah That's and the sick. album was um the album was interesting the one side of the album was all covers she did respect by Aretha Franklin nice. this was the early 70s so that was still a thing and the other side was like uh, what they used to call standards so she did can't help loving dat man from Porgy and Bess, as like so, a friend of mine, actually another my other best friend, um, ended up being a lighting guy for major acts and stuff, and he was on the road, and I got a call at like three thirty, four o'clock in the morning one morning, and he it was him, and he says, "Do you still have that Pat Benatar album?" And I went, "Yeah." He said, "Hold on, somebody wants to talk to you." He put Pat Benatar on the phone. She offered me five hundred bucks for it because it was awful. <laughs> <laughs> she was trying just, to buy them all up. Just wanted it off the street? <laughs> yeah. Dang. So I said, no. So, Do you still have it? No, I lost no. it in a divorce. So anyway. Dang. <laughs> should have sold it for the 500. Yeah, yeah. Should have <laughs> taken it. Dang. Yeah. Hey, cool boy. That's a cool sweatshirt. Where'd you get it from? Oh, you're checking out my new liner notes hoodie? Wow, thank you for noticing. It's very comfortable and cost efficient. Plus, I'm helping to fund the next season of liner notes, which I think is going to be amazing because like the last one was good and this one is so far is really good. I like it. I hope you like it. Hey, cool boy, do they only have hoodies? They have t-shirts, they have crew neck shirts, and the variety of colors is like mind-boggling. It's not as many as the rainbow, but it's a couple. And like the really cool thing is they have like all the sizes, whether you be like a really, really tiny person or like a medium-sized child or like a large child or like a little adult or like a medium adult or like a large adult or, or like an extra large adult. Oh, that's super cool. I'm gonna go to hererba.com right now and get me a liner nose t-shirt. Yeah, when you get your gear, come back here to this corner and we'll hang out and look super cool together, okay? But going back, I want to go all the way back to the beginning. Okay. And we touched on being at TVR. You're still at TVR. Mm -hmm. You're still at CBS 6. Yeah. You started there very early in the peanut gallery yep. as a child. Yes. So, like, from the very beginning, you've kind of been surrounded by mm -hmm. yeah. TV cameras. I wanted to be a musician. That, okay. was, the, that was the plan. And I played in bands. Uh, I was in high school playing. In, I was in the marching band and the concert band. I was drum major my senior year. Uh, I played in dance bands from the time I was like 16 on. And the band I was in was from this neighborhood. It was uh, all white kids playing soul music. 
So it was, it was the 60s. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was the 60s. And so that was our thing. And I, I played saxophone. And we had a four-piece horn section at one point. And we got, we got really good. And we played, you know, we were playing all the time, making real money. Um, and then we got some gigs where we actually played on some touring acts because we had a four-piece horn section. We all read music. So we would get a gig to be the, the horn section for whoever was yeah. playing in town. So we, we played on a show with uh, Marvin Gaye. We played on a show with, um, you probably don't know him, but Jerry Butler, who was another big 60s yeah, guy. Nice. We played on Dice a show. <laughs> the Iceman. Iceman cometh, yes. He was so cool, they called him the Iceman. Um, and we played uh, with Patti LaBelle. I played, um, God, I mean, you know, just bunches of folks. So, like, you backed them up as a horn We were the section. horn section. Yeah, yeah, so, like, what kind of music or, or what songs were you playing with Marvin Gaye and Patti LaBelle? I mean, whatever they whatever they was on their playlist. With Marvin Gaye, it was Tammy Terrell when he was doing the duets thing, and that was Tammy Terrell. And then when we played at the old Richmond Arena with Patti LaBelle, but it was Patti LaBelle on the Bluebells at that point. The yeah, before it was LaBelle, yeah. And uh, the, the headliner, she wasn't a headliner. The headliner was a guy named Cliff Nobles. And he had an instrumental hit called The Horse. Not The Horse That Threw You, much later. Not that one, no. no. <laughs> but yeah, but I've, you know, I've seen everybody pretty much. I mean, if you think about it, if you're in radio and you get to MC shows, mm -hmm. and I worked at Light 98 for almost 20 years, and that was the number one station in town at the time. So we got... Pretty much everybody. So I got a chance to meet pretty much anybody and everybody that came through. I uh, MC'd BB um, King three times and had a great experience with BB backstage. I wrote down some of the ones I've. Do you uh, mind sharing that experience? Well, with well <laughs> my, my all time favorite was Ray Charles. Okay. So it's uh, early 80s. Ray was playing a private gig. There used to be a place on Broad Street called 2001. This is in the 80s, and it was where the Buffalo Wild Wings Steinmark Shopping Center is now. Whole Shopping Center was a club. It Sick. was massive. It was huge. The capacity was 2,000 people. This is in the early 80s. Well, whoever decided to do that had never talked or met anybody that actually worked in a club. Because when you go to the club, you want it elbow to elbow. You want to be in there tight. They put 600 people in it was dead. I mean, it was like, this place sucks. It's tough you know? to feel the energy when there's like, you know, <laughs> yeah, 50 yeah. feet between yeah, didn't matter. Yeah. So they started doing private shows there and that did a little better. But anyway, Ray was playing uh, like four in the afternoon. There was a um, state teachers convention in Richmond. And so it was full of teachers. The hippest people we know. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it didn't matter. It was Ray Charles. Yeah. So, so um, it was four. I got there too. You know, I'm, I'm just going to be there. I'm not not going to be late. Miss my chance to introduce Ray Charles. Hell no. So I'm sitting in this like uh, cement uh, cinder block line. It looks like a school wall, you know, metal chair sitting backstage right off steps up to the stage right in front of me sitting there two hours. You know, so a guy comes out and says, okay, you don't introduce Ray. You introduce the orchestra and the Raylettes. Okay. 
No problem. So 10 minutes before the show, the band starts coming through. They're all coming through, file up. Raylets come through, they go up. And I'm sitting there. And they, oh, door opens, guys bring in Ray. And he sets him in a metal chair right beside me. I mean, literally, I'm here, he's there. And I'm sitting there and I start I'm like, and he, finally he says, man, are you okay? You're breathing awful heavy. <laughs> I said, I'm next to Ray Charles, man. I was like, might as well, you know, just, that was it, you yeah. know? So I told him I had, after, you know, we talked a little bit, I said, Ray, I've, I've got two intros worked up for you. He says, okay, cool, let, let me hear them. So I wrote the first one down because I always get it wrong now. So the first one was, music is love. God is love. Love is blind. Ray Charles is music. Ray Charles is blind. Ray Charles is God. And he went, oh, hell no, man. They'll kill us. <laughs> you can't say that. I, I like I like the logistical, you know, yeah, you follow yeah, that through A, plan, you know, a squared plus B squared equals yeah. C squared. So I uh, said, no, you can't do that. And I said, all right, well, it's all school teachers. So I, here's the second one. Okay. So the second one was, how many teachers here have taught their kids that Columbus came to America to find a shorter trade route to the Indies? I'm like, mm-hmm. wrong. Columbus came to America because he knew Ray Charles was going to be here and he wanted to get here early and get a good seat. <laughs> he said, I like that one. Who's that one? <laughs> so I said, cool. So I said, man, I said, I am I'm beyond excited. I'm like, I get to be on stage with the Ray Charles Orchestra and introduce Ray Charles. I'm really looking forward to the show. I said, don't get your hopes up. I said, I've had the flu for four days. And I'm sick as a dog. I'm going to go out and do like three songs and tell everybody I'm not feeling good and leave. I'm like, shit. So, dude, you're Ray Charles. Why don't you just cancel the show? He said, I can't cancel a show in Richmond. Really? Why not? The whole band gets laid when we come to Richmond. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. So he did the show. (laughs) We had a reputation. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I'd have a revolution in the band if I canceled this show. Wow. Yeah. Now that's something I didn't know. I got to dig into that more. (laughs) Richmond's history as a swinging town. Music-wise and non-music-wise. It was for Ray and his band. That's awesome. So who was the funniest person that you got to interact with over the years that came through Richmond? Funny. Wow. I didn't think about that. Oh, no. I I don't know any of them were funny. You know, because a lot of times you don't hardly even get to say hello. They just, you know, sometimes the road manager will come out and tell you, you have to say this label and that. I did a show with um, Archie Bell and the Drells. Sick name. Okay. Well, they they were, they were a funk band. They had hits. The first one was called the Tighten Up. It was a dance thing. All their songs were about different dances. I, you know, you have to have instructional so, songs sometimes. <laughs> so that was one of the, that was funny, I guess. So Archie actually came up to me and says, you, you're the disc jockey, you're going to introduce the show. Yes, sir. Okay. It's Archie Bell, Drells. Two names, one band, super show. You got it? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, I got it. You can do that. You can do that. The other one that was really weird was I did a show with the Spinners. 
at the Diamond, where it was Parker Field then. And so they built a stage against the outfield wall. Like center field out there? Yeah, dead center field. And the audience just sat on the outfield, you know, on blankets and stuff. And it was at night and everything. But they put a ladder up against the back and the band and everybody had to, they had a, a bucket truck to put all the equipment up, but the actual band had to climb the ladder. So <laughs> they had a little backstage, like a piece of plywood up, and you could stand behind and then walk out, right? So the road manager for the spinners, Atlantic Records, got to say Atlantic Records. Okay, good. And it's the mighty, 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 mighty spinners. Four mighties, four mighties. not three, not five, four mighties. Say it. And I went, Mighty, 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 mighty. Okay, you don't let him see your hand, though. <laughs> so that was weird. And I did that. You counted in your pocket. You had a hand in your pocket. Yeah, you're like, you're in a mighty, 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 mighty. Yeah. Nice. So that was weird. That is a little weird. Yeah. But still cool. Yeah. In a, oh, it was in very a, cool. In a music and it was a great show. It was, it was a great band, a great show. Yeah. Are you tired of boring accounting training? Join the revolution. Ignited by Gap Dynamics, The Revolution is a learning platform that brings together engaging content and motivated learners in an online environment. Our accountants and learning specialists make training fun and engaging, and with over 130 CPE-eligible courses in US Gap, IFRS, Audit, and industry-specific guidance, not only is our training engaging, but it is also relevant. So you'll never have to sit in a boring webinar to earn your CPE. We've been training accountants for the past 20 years with clients from the big four to regional firms. Whether you represent a large multinational corporation, a small regional firm, or an individual CPA, our training engages your people and guides you through complex accounting and auditing rules, saving you time, money, and mistakes. Change the way you train. Gap Dynamics. I, I kind of want to let people know, like, I met you a few years ago at CBS. Mm-hmm. Um, I was working over there for a while. You're still working over there. I met you on the set of Virginia This Morning, yep. um, which is hosted by Jessica Nall. Awesome mm-hmm. person. Wonderful. But what I noticed about you, besides your hilarious takes on things, was two things. One, you allow your personality to come out in interviews, in um, any kind of like promotional setting. Wherever you're out, you're Bill Bevins. And that comes through. And I think that that's dope. But then also, I really like your curiosity for finding out the origins of things. I used to make fun of you a lot because you do the segment. Everybody does. I can hear everybody laughing. Yeah, I know. We, we, we knew you could I hear I can us. hear y'all. Okay, I, good. But, like, <laughs> but your segment, like, where'd that come from? Yeah. Uh, I love that segment because, like, you know, you take little words or phrases that we all kind of just say and don't really understand. And you kind of dig down into where did that come from? I mean, yeah, where did that come from? Yeah. So I kind of wanted to ask you about your curiosity uh, and your your ability to bring that into your broadcast, but also just your personality. Like it takes a lot of courage to let people know your corny jokes so, and things like that. So here's the thing. No so I was talking to my, my friend Bud from The Breeze, the Breeze. last night. We, were, we had dinner together last night and we were talking and he's never been on the radio before. And I said, dude, what you have to do is just relax and say stuff other than that was, here is, you know, introducing the different artists. And I said, look at it like this. You and I grew up in an age where things were so straight 
that in order to get noticed and being out of the ordinary, all you had to do was pick, wear a pair of red socks. You were radical. <laughs> I was serious. Got red socks I got on red the socks day. on the day. Yeah. <laughs> Still wearing them. Same ones. Radical. And, uh, radical. But it was that simple. I mean, now kids have to, you know, to, in order to stand out, if you don't have immense talent, which I didn't, I said before, you know, I, I was playing in a band. I wanted to be a musician. The only one thing held me back was talent. So <laughs> I was an okay musician, but I'd see all these fantastic musicians who had to work, you know, at a job and then play music on the side. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm not even half as good as that guy, that girl. So there's no way I'm going to be able to do it. So just find that little thing that does. So back to your point, it's like, when I started working there, when I started Virginia this morning, well, I actually started, when I started was with Cheryl Miller at noon doing the weather, not a weatherman. They said, just come on and be you. Yeah, I didn't even know you were allowed to do that. I thought you had to like go to school to be a meteorologist. This was, or this like... was like 86 okay. when I started there. Okay. And they sent me to a meteorological thing for a weekend. You had a weekend's worth of training. Had a weekend's worth of training. Right. <laughs> and from Penn State, I think, uh, that's where the school is, from, or was at the time from meteorologists. So, you know, learn the terms, learn what this thing is, means, what that means, all of that stuff. High pressure, low pressure. Right. Wind comes from the west and goes to east, 90%, all of that stuff. So, but the rest of it was, so then, right before the forecast, right before we went on the air, like 10 minutes before, a meteorologist from Penn State would call me and say, all right, I sent you this map, this map, this map, this map. Here's what's happening. Blah, blah, blah. This front's moving in. Temperature's going to drop. It's going to rain. Blah, blah, blah. I tell you. So I just go out and regurgitate that. But I got to be me. Yeah. So the point was, was... I couldn't do anything else. I couldn't be on the news, mm -hmm. although I was on with Cheryl with the weather, because you had journalists on the news. And they couldn't be goofy or silly right. or tell a joke or anything. So that kind of was my gig, mm -hmm. was to not be in that lane, but to be in this lane over here. And I'm like, well, I can do that. I can be silly. I'm silly Billy. That's what I do. So that's what I did. Yeah, no, and and I, looking back at like your early time at CBS, like you give a lot of credit to Cheryl Miller for like teaching you the television side of the business. You know, Cheryl Miller is like genius level. I mean, that girl whew, off the scale. The other thing I've never understood, and I've talked to her about it, she doesn't suffer fools well at all. But she Yeah, I know, she's talked to us in production sometimes. <laughs> when we mess things up and I've been like, yeah, nah, yeah. And, yeah. And, and, and it doesn't take much of a mess up for her to notice it because she knows she's on top she's of like, it. Bing. She's on top oh, of it. You said the instead of the. I wrote the. You know, I mean, she is like mm. on it. Yeah. Which is good because it keeps you Which on your toes. Which doesn't explain how the heck she liked me and supported me. I don't know. I still don't know to this day. <laughs> it's cause, yeah, because I think you just come in as who you yeah. are, like, yeah. and that's good. Well, I have no choice. Well, well yeah. that, that's true. Okay. You could try to be somebody else. Nah. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of work. Wouldn't work. A lot yeah. of work. Uh, I, I was reading a funny story about you getting rec you get recognized all over town i'm sure your voice does your voice get recognized more or your face at this point well first of all i like i said i grew up here yeah so there's a problem so people know you for your from your childhood i mean childhood to high school whatever okay so they definitely but, know but you but the problem is is i can't remember people so i don't know whether i actually know them or whether they just saw me on tv or just heard me on the radio 
I can see that. But you can kind of tell the people that knew me from radio because that's a real relationship when you're on the radio. And back and then it was a two-way relationship. They'd call in every day. Mm-hmm. You know, you'd talk to them. TV, it's it's very much one way. They saw me, they either they like me or they hate me or whatever. I don't think that many people hate you. Oh. Is, there, is, there, is there like a fan club online for like anti-Bill stuff? It's not. I did, I did a thing with Cheryl very early on. A couple of things with Cheryl. We, we did a live broadcast from the Coliseum, outside the Coliseum. It was summertime. And we were doing the noon show. I don't remember why, but there were, oh, there was a festival going on. And we did the show, the noon show, live. There's this homeless guy that's standing back behind the line there where they had all the equipment and everything. And every time Cheryl would do something, he'd applaud. And so then it was time for me to do weather, and I came up, fuck you, Bill, you're a piece of shit. <laughs> Cops had to drag him away, man, kicking and what screaming. What did you do to this I don't man? Know. I don't, I don't. Damn. He loved Cheryl, hated me. The other, Maybe he was a meteorologist. He was a real meteorologist. <laughs> yeah. like, got his gig. It's just regurgitating um, shit. No. <laughs> but uh, another thing I did, the, <laughs> right after that, we did the Christmas parade. And uh, Cheryl and I were on top of a box truck uh, for the Christmas parade. And it had the Noon Show logo on it. And I'm, they put up a railing so, you know, so it wouldn't fall off. And I'm standing... Like here, and Cheryl's here, and we're going down Broad Street. And I, was, and I heard like this group, Bill, Bill, Bill. And I'm like, hey, Merry Christmas. How you doing? Move. We can't see Cheryl. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Okay, Damn, I, got I got it. it. I got it. <laughs> we know who They might have been see. the children of the guy at, this, at the Coliseum. I don't know. <laughs> Legacy passes Yeah, on. yeah. Hate Bill Bevins. Hate yeah. Bill Bevins. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I think most of the people in this room like you. Well, I'm not going to tell you which one's show's not over yet. (laughs) (laughs) We got a ways to go. It could turn. Uh, It could. Yeah. There's still time. Yeah. Hey, cool boy. How are you so cool? Wow, that is like a very big compliment. Thank you so much. But the answer is quite simple, my darling cool girl. The answer is like, I've just been reading the blog content from hereavier.com. Have you ever seen this? Well, let me just tell you, they have all the things. They have interviews with really good artists and interviews with like cultural cultivators. It's very cool. You learn about the city and stuff. And it's like super cool. Anyway, they also have blog content about like live events. There's like video recaps about things. So like if you weren't there, you could feel like you were there if you wanted to be there. Or like maybe you check it out and you're like, wow, the next time that happens, I'll go there for sure. But you didn't know until you saw the blog, you know? And then there's also things that are like tips for musicians. Like, hey, like maybe you don't want to, um, you know, be a rapper and like, rap over top of your own vocals that's corny and people don't like it and then there's also like really cool blog posts about just the cool culture of richmond which is like art and other art and also art mixing together it's like a very cool space but you find that all this information in the blog on yavia.com is it only for cool people that's the beauty of it uncool people can go there and then become cool awesome thanks cool boy You are a guy who, when you like something, you share that thing. And I have noticed that you really love cutting the grass, 
and working with cars. Really? That's where we're going? <laughs> yes. I want to talk about grass cutting. All right. So here's the deal. My, I come from a blue collar family. Like I said, I grew up yeah, not far from here. Richmond, yeah. yeah. I know the I know the correct name of the road that I took over here. Okay. What is the correct? Poe White, because that's where I, where I was. I was Poe White. Yeah. And we, <laughs> so I had to cut grass. But here's the thing. I'm a guy who likes. Well, first of all, I work in radio. I worked in radio all my life. You do it, it's over, it's gone. Yeah. It's nothing, right? You go out in the yard, it looks like crap. You spend 45 minutes out there and you stand back and go, damn, I did that. Look at that. That looks good. <laughs> and that's enough for me. There is a sense of accomplishment. When <laughs> yeah, you yeah, yeah, yeah. So I can see the real concrete evidence that I actually accomplished something. So that's that. Okay. And I don't work on cars. I thought you had worked on your... No, your my dad, I have my dad's pickup truck. Okay. I pay people to work on it. It is a very nice looking <laughs> truck. <laughs> it's cost a lot of money. It's a lot of toys. That's how you can tell I'm divorced. <laughs> you have good toys? Yeah, I have, I have a nice toy. Um, yeah. So, yeah. No, but I can't base... I can change oil. That's about it. Change tires. That's it. I mean, that's more than most people today. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to hear my BB King? I got a wolf. I wrote down Wolfman Jack, Dick Clark... Hell yeah, let's hear that, please. Okay. So, disc jockeys. So I'm a disc jockey and I got to do, I was doing a live broadcast. I see Willow Lawn's coming up on another anniversary. I don't remember what anniversary it was, but they had Wolfman Jack came in and they were giving away a 1956 Chevy uh, station wagon, Woody station wagon at Willow Lawn because they, they opened in 1956. So it was like 30, 40 years later, right? Mm -hmm. And Wolfman Jack was doing an appearance. So I'm doing a remote broadcast for two hours there while Wolfman Jack's emceeing everything. He emceed for like 10 minutes and he came over and sat down next to me and did the rest of my show with me. Nice. Wolfman Jack sitting next to me. And I've got the little program from that. that was sitting, the program was sitting on the table and I had him finally says, love you, baby, Wolfman Jack. <laughs> <laughs> so I met Wolfman Jack and actually sat there with him for a while. And he passed a couple of years later. And a buddy of mine who worked at the radio station in Nags Head, um, he was actually from Eastern North Carolina. And so he was buried in a ceremony in Podunk, North Carolina. I know that town. Yeah. And um, there was only like 20 people there. And they had a boom box sitting on the headstone playing Wolfman Jack air checks. Which I thought was fantastic. That Did was it? so him. Yeah. yeah. The other, uh, almost like I thought my career was over, uh, Dick Clark came through in the 80s and he was doing his Cavalcade of Stars where he had all these 60s stars and they did a kind of you know, nostalgia show. Where was, was it? Was it like at the Coliseum? It was or? at Bush Gardens. Oh, okay. And they had that little amphitheater at Bush Gardens. So they had all these 60s acts. And so went backstage, met Dick Clark. Which, like, I got the picture, you know, Dick Clark, yeah. the, the most famous disc jockey of all time, right? And so he says, all right, here's the deal. I'm going to come out and introduce the show. Then you do the three or four acts in between. And then the guy named Lynn Barry was the headliner. And he had, like, four hits. And he was, like, this Italian kid from Jersey or whatever. He sang falsetto, right? Nice. And so he was the, he was the headliner. And so I'll come out and do Lynn Barry. Okay. All right. Okay. So everything's going fine. It's hot as hell. It's summertime doing the shows. So the next to last act, Lynn Barry's coming up in like 
20 minutes. Next act, I introduce him. Look over, Lynn Berry is bent over, throwing up beside the stage, and then sets down and almost passes out. He's just white as, he's just gone, man, right? No, no performance coming from that. Right, which means <laughs> this group is gonna be the last act. And I'm thinking, shit, Dick's gotta come out here. Dick Clark's gotta come out here. So I went backstage, ran down the hall to his dressing room, and knocked on the door and nobody answered. I knocked on the door and nobody answered. Like, He's got to get out there. So I opened the door. Dick was standing behind the door and I knocked him down. <laughs> so I just knocked out the most famous disc jockey in history. And he was a little guy. He was like five, six, five, seven. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. He was, he was not big at all. And he's on the floor. Sprawled I, out. Yeah. Laying <laughs> what the hell? Fortunately, I didn't knock him out or anything. He just had his hand like... Anyway, he was nice as could be. I told him, uh, Lynn Barry's sick, man. He's throwing up. He looks like he's going to pass out. The show's going to be over. Okay, thanks for coming to get me. Nice as could be. And he went out there and just yeah, did told it. everybody yeah. that was it. Didn't tell, me the, didn't tell him the local disc jockey tried to kill me. Yeah. That was very nice of yeah. him. You know what I mean? You got you to appreciate when people don't call you out like yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> but it was Dick Clark. It is Dick Clark. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. You don't want to hit that guy with a no. door. That's no. for sure. <laughs> And then you said B.B. King? Yep. I mean, I got to B.B. I did B.B. King three different times. See, now that's wild to me. Yeah. That's so the the first time was at the old mosque, which is Altria. Altria. Yeah, Altria now. So I don't know if you've been backstage there or not, but it's... it's uh, yeah, I'm not okay. as cool as you, Bill Evans. <laughs> <laughs> it's old, okay? But right next to the stage, there's a, probably a 10 by 12 room right next to the stage, and that's the dressing room. Mm -hmm. So I'm there an hour and a half early. Band comes in, does a sound check. BB shows up like an hour before the show, which was kind of weird, you know? And he goes, he said, how you doing? He goes in, he walks in the dressing room. I'm standing outside. About half an hour later, he came out because there was no bathroom in there. He came out to go to the bathroom. He says, you work here? I said, no, sir, I'm with the radio station. I'm gonna be the MC. Okay, cool. Introduces himself, blah, blah, blah. So have you eaten? No, sir. Well, I've seen people going in with, with food and everything, yeah. right? Well, it's a caterer, whatever. I go in and there's like all this spread laid out and it's all like home cooking. Turns out when B.B. King came to Richmond and he started coming in the late 40s, there was no place for him and his band to stay. So they stayed with this family in Church Hill. Okay? Yeah, right. So... That was the people that brought the food. They were the children of the people he had stayed with in the 40s. Same family. He was still staying at that same house, but it was like their children wow. were adults now, and they stayed, they stayed at the house with them. And he stayed there every time he came to Richmond because. Wow. And so that was kind of cool to hear that, that you know, negative effect of not having any place to stay. Sure. And all the love he got from this family. And they became like family to him. And then I got to introduce him two more times. I did the first time when I first started do, doing a BB King show, the audience was all white. It was like the weirdest thing. It's like, huh? Because it wasn't hip at that time, mm. even in the blues, I guess, you know? So later on, it kind of switched and got back to, you know, it's like mixed audience, mostly black folks. And so, when I walked out the last time and it's like, I walked out and said, 
I know what you're thinking. What's the white guy doing introducing B.B. King? First of all, I'm not white, I'm blue. <laughs> and so it was like, we were fine then. And uh, he, he loved it. So it was cool. Did uh, did you get to eat with B.B. King yeah, yeah, yeah. all three well, times? The, oh, no, no, just the one time. <laughs> just the one time? Just the one time. Like, I remember yeah. you. Come on back. <laughs> nah. Yeah. Wow, that's that was, and that was awkward. I mean, it's kind of when you meet people like that. After you tell them you love their stuff and you're a fan and you, you know, you got all their stuff and you, you know, it's like, yeah. I'm not a musician. What do we talk about? Yeah. You talk to musicians all the time. It's a different situation. It, yeah, but it, yeah, it is. But when you come to somebody in like the fan mode, mm -hmm. sometimes I think it can kind of like block you from actually yeah. making a good connection. Because well, you're like, you know, I, go ahead. Sorry. No, 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 no. I was just like, like me blubbering when Ray Charles was sitting there. Right. Because yeah. like a normal person is like, I can carry on a conversation. We'll just talk about like the weather. Yeah. But yeah. because I have an experience or like, I love your music. Yeah. Or I love, I want to tell you that. It changed my all, life. That's yeah, all yeah, that's yeah. on my brain right yeah. now. And I'm not going to talk about the weather. that forever. Yeah. yeah. And then you come away and you're like, I should have yeah. just said yeah. normal things. Just, yeah. <laughs> the Aubrey Richards Boutique is a full pop-up shop and blog centered around and for women who are happily maturing. The items are either handmade, designed, or ethically sourced from themselves, other makers, or small companies. Aubrey Richards Boutique is here to uplift guests and build community within our community. Find out more at aubreyrichardsboutique.com. One last thing I wanted to touch on is your- Is the last thing already? I think so. Damn. I mean, we try not to go too, too long. <sighs> People don't want to look at my face. Damn, I got pages oh. worth of shit. I, got just, I can go on all day. Let's go, bro. No, 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 I'm kidding. Let's I'm go, I'm just bro. messing with you. I'm messing with you. Go ahead. No, I, so I just wanted to touch on your IMDb page. Uh, you're a movie actor. Oh, yeah, I did that. Yeah, yeah, big time movie actor in the movie The Contender uh -huh. yes. with Gil Grisham yeah. before his CSI. And thing. William Peterson, who was the original guy on CSI. Damn, I didn't realize it was who a People CSI told me I look like him. Yeah. So he was in that show. He played the governor of Virginia. I do have a great story about that. Let me hear it. If we have time. Let's go. We got time. So I don't. I played. I played a news anchor <laughs> in that. Nice. And it was the last scene they were shooting in the movie. They were done except for this last scene. So Uptown Entertainment was the booking agent that hired the people for this, and I went and auditioned, and they said, "No, you have to be a news anchor. You can't have a beard." And I'm going like, okay, well, I guess I'm out. Yeah, I'm not shaving so, this. Yeah, I'm not shaving. <laughs> you don't want to see that. Um, so uh, I can't remember the lady's name. But anyway, she called me like at 6 o'clock the night before. I said, they're wrapping tomorrow. They got one more scene to do. And the news anchor is sick and he can't do it. Can you be here at 7 o'clock tomorrow morning? And I went, sure. So I called my boss said, I'm not going to do the show tomorrow, but I'm going to be in a movie. So we'll talk about it on the radio the rest of the week. Mm -hmm. Okay, fine. No problem. So here was at, uh, there was a church over behind Channel 8 is where they shot the scene on the set, on the new set at Channel 8. Oh, okay. And um, that's where the trailers were and the trucks and everything was there. So I went there, had to be there at 7. So you were there at 6, uh, 6.45? I was there at 6. Cool. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> six. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, they brought food and everything. So about eight, they come and get me and they say, all right, we're going to take you to wardrobe. And I've worn a suit and tie. Like I knew I was going to play an anchor. Like, oh, no, 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 not your suit and tie. So they got me a jacket and changed the tie. 
They said, and you get a trailer because you have a speaking part. Nice. So it was a little bitty trailer and I walk in, there's fruit tray and everything sitting there. It was nice. It's like 10 o'clock in the morning. Nobody came to get me till five o'clock. <laughs> Just sitting there. A seven hour day, just sitting. So just sitting, waiting, and nothing to do. So finally, they come and get me and said, All right, we're going over and, you know, we're going to shoot. And, and then we got to wait till the six o'clock news was over so they could use the set. <laughs> so I said to the, the girl that came and said, All right, we're going to load up. I said, Nobody's brought me any kind of script or anything of what I'm supposed to say. And she went, oh, okay, we'll get that for you. Okay. I said, I'm not an actor. That's important. I need that. <laughs> I said, if it's more than two lines, I can't memorize that much. <laughs> she went, don't worry about it. So we get in the van. It's like, there was like three character actors that if you saw them, you'd know their face. or in a hundred movies. And was it Muriel Hemingway was in that movie for like two seconds. Oh. She was in the van. Wow. I got in the front seat next to the driver in this big thing. It's holding like six people, right? Geo shotgun, that's how you got the, it. Okay. The driver is from Richmond. Now I got all these movie, LA movie people, including one of the stars. He goes, holy shit, Bill Bevins. <laughs> <laughs> Can I call my wife? Can you talk to her? And all these people in the back are like, who the hell's Bill Bevins? <laughs> <laughs> it was hilarious. And I'm going, no, man, it's cool. No, 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 it's, it's fine. Let's just go. No, I'm going to call my wife. So he called his wife. I talked to his wife. And everybody in the back's like, who's this extra yeah, that we got? This didn't get it. Anyway, I got there. And the director was there standing in the room. And he says, are you ready to go? I said, nobody's ever given me a script of what I'm supposed to say. He was livid. He kicked over a trash can. He's throwing things at people. He said, this guy's not even a professional actor. He doesn't know what he's supposed to say. Who is supposed to get him? He's yelling at people. And I'm just sitting there. I still don't know, still what, don't know what you're saying. <laughs> so he wrote down a couple of things, said, here, start here and just ad lib and we'll cut the rest. So the first line was, we're talking to the governor of Virginia, blah, 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 sir. And it was about, if you saw the movie, he ran off a bridge but anyway that's but that was that story i'm uh, sorry no you're good we run over folks no and honestly i was telling them today i was like this is production it's a lot of hurry up and then wait for long periods <laughs> well, of at least time. you didn't have to get here at seven o'clock in the morning not today okay cool. not today yeah. yesterday they had to be there fairly early what was it 8 30 yesterday you guys were all here yeah. mm. that's right we keep a tight ship working here. them working we keep a tight ship yeah um Anybody in the crew have a question for Mr. Bevan? Speak now forever. Oh, we got a, we got a question. Wait, hold on. Let's get the microphone. Sonic right. has a question. I do. Okay. I don't have bail money. That's the question, no. No. Um, you want to tell a story about Miller and Rhodes? You told me a few good stories about the old Miller and Rhodes building when it was popping. Yeah. Christmas time. Yeah. So that was a thing in Richmond. And um, the legendary Santa, which is still around, was at Miller and Rhodes. So, you know. Mom would take us down there and, you know, get in line to see Santa. My mom, who was a housewife, she didn't work. She didn't have a job. Um, at Easter, she would go to Miller and Rhodes and she made these or decorated these huge chocolate Easter eggs that weighed like a pound and a half. And you would write the kid's name on them and the little white frosting stuff, right? Yeah. And 
you know, that's what people... Solid chocolate or hollow chocolate? Well, it depended. It could be coconut. It could be uh, cream-filled. It could be all kinds of stuff, right? Different Easter eggs. Okay. The good news is my mom worked there. And if there was a mistake, she got to keep the eggs. Nice. Yeah. So you got a lot of misspelled names and stuff? I got a lot of misspelled names. Didn't care. Nice. Michaels with K's. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep, yep. That's a good, yo, that's a fringe benefit of Mm -hmm. like a parental job. Yeah, I used Look to work forward at, Easter. Yeah, <laughs> I used to work at Sweet Frog, and so I was like always getting frozen yogurt and mm-hmm. stuff to take home. Put it in your pocket. Oh, no, <laughs> you definitely put it in a cup. Oh, I okay. would suggest putting it in a cup. Uh, <laughs> it will fit in your pocket. Yeah, probably not the best way yeah. to to get it back out. Yeah. But no, uh, Ryan was pregnant when I was working there, so she'd be like, "I need, yeah, I need Reese's and caramel." So it's like, "All right, I got, got to get it." Yeah, yeah. No, the fringe benefits of work. and the kid turned out great. He's pretty good so far. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, he grew up on Reese's and Boba Boom. Strawberry Balls. Well, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we, Mel, I see you're in the spot. You're in the hot seat, Mel. You got a question, man? Have you ever had any career setbacks? <laughs> and what were they? Well, I worked in radio, Melvin. Yeah. Yeah. So, duh, yeah. Um, <laughs> but I will say this. I was in radio 50, well, 48 years, 10 months, and 23 days before I ever got fired. And the saying in radio is there's two kinds of people in radio, people that have been fired, people who are going to be fired. You were going to be fired. I was going to be, no, well, I was going to be fired several times and I just left <laughs> and got out. And the other thing was you keep a cardboard box under your desk and like, oh, they're fired, they're put it on the box and I quit and I'm out. So I didn't get fired until the very end. Yeah. And then Jess was nice enough to, I asked her, I said, can I just keep doing Virginia this morning till I make it to 50 years? And that was three years ago. Yeah. So, but I was there when they started Virginia this morning. It was me and Cheryl. So, yeah. But yeah, uh, you know, I, I had a situation um, where I was working at WRNL uh, and when it was, the format was called MOR, Middle of the Road. It was nothing music. It didn't make anybody happy. Mm. Um, but anyway, they were changing the country and they wanted me to stay. And I went, no, I can't stay. And I took a job in Providence, Rhode Island at a station and went up there in August. And um, the station was awful and the weather was I almost froze to death and nobody understood anything I said. Yeah, and they thought I was a foreigner because of my language and my speech. And you stuff. little Southern boy. Yeah, so, yeah, a lot of, you know, well, that's a whole different show, Melvin, yeah, yeah, but thanks yeah. for asking. Yeah. Yeah, you gotta, sometimes those losses come and you gotta yeah, yeah, roll yeah. with them. And yeah, this is a crazy We industry. The station went out of business actually, and we ended up burning our furniture in the fireplace to keep from freezing to death. Rhode Island? Damn. Yeah. Yeah. Fortunately, <laughs> the little house we were renting had a fireplace. <laughs> Good news is, I didn't have to bring a whole lot of stuff home, just my clothes. Okay. Yeah. It's because you burned the rest of it. Yeah, we put it in the fireplace. <laughs> yeah. Hey, cool boy, can you tell me where I can learn more about Richmond music? The newsletter is like super helpful from the Here RVA. If you go to their website and like just put your email in, you get all the cool events from the city. They even put in the new music for you to check out from local artists, global artists even. 
plus, you can always see the cool content that Hiravia is creating. They got like blog stuff that's really awesome and intriguing. They got liner notes, which by the way you're listening to. And they also got cool things that just like, they just make stuff up sometimes. It's really cool. You have to tap in. It's a bi-weekly newsletter, so like it doesn't even spam you that much. And I don't know what accent this is anymore, but I'm the cool boy. I'll talk to you later. Thanks, cool boy. You're the best. Well, I really want to thank you for, for coming out today and sharing your and stories. And I want, I want a little badge of being the oldest person you've ever interviewed on this show. So far. So far. <laughs> if you try to get somebody older than me, they'll be dead. <laughs> no, not necessarily. Just bring that corpse in. We got to beat Bill. <laughs> Let's put a mic on here. <laughs> By a technicality. We get Bernie's thing Yeah, no, that'll be fine. We'll interview you next year. Ah. And then you'll again, we'll be the oldest okay. guest. We'll just keep making a running That's day. optimistic. Okay, um, good. <laughs> Thank you for spending part of your drive, workout, grocery shopping time, or wherever you're at listening to this podcast. If you're still listening, we would love for you to help us fund the next season. You can sign up for a membership and get early access and other perks at Buy Us a Coffee. That link's in the show notes. Make sure you like, subscribe, share, and all the other cool positive things for this episode. That's free to do and works miracles for podcast teams like us. Shout out to the season two crew. Floor and creative director, Ryan L. Moses. That's me. Host and producer, Elijah Hedrick. Director, Alex Bolton. Videographer, Melvin Lasseter. Editor, Ian Rampashad. Audio engineer, Clark Moeller. Graphics, Tyler Blankenship. Photography, Gordy Michael. Guest liaison, Max Ross. Gopher, Jai Hedrick. Intern, Shiloh Tillman. Special thanks to Tyler Shearsmith. Theme music by Ant the Symbol. Remember, listen local, make it global. Here are VA. We out.